Hello, 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 and happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed, and welcome into episode number 60 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. Really excited for the show this week. Once again, we are going guestless. Once again, I had a uh, last-second cancellation. So, we move on. Up and onwards. Next week, we'll have a new guest. I have a few folks I was keeping in my back pocket. And, uh, well, I guess now it is time to release them to the front pocket. But that's okay. It's all good. I know a lot of us here in the Outsports family are feeling good this week with Major League Baseball back. Uh, It sounds really hokey and cheesy, but here in Boston, the Red Sox did open at Fenway and a smattering of fans were allowed into the park for the first time since September of 2019, and it felt nice. (laughs) It felt nice to see actual human beings in the stands at Fenway. Fans have been back at the Garden where the Celtics and Bruins play for the last week or so, but Fenway, of course, is such an iconic sports venue, it really feels like for the first time sports in Boston have returned from their COVID slumber because sports with no fans in the stands is really a hollow experience. I mean, that's what it is. And I know that in other areas of the of the country, across the South and some parts of the Midwest, uh, you folks have had fans in stands for quite a while. So I may be sounding like I'm from another universe here in April of 2021, talking about my amazement that Fenway Park can be filled to 12% capacity. You know, folks in Kansas City are like, what do you mean? We had people in the stands week one, early September of the NFL season. You're a bit behind, but... Obviously, COVID restrictions a bit slower and, you know, it may move differently in all areas of the country. But I do think there's a lot of disagreement, but the consensus is pretty clear. You can safely gather outdoors if you're distance in mass and with vaccination rates rising. Uh, I think it's safe and I think it was nice to see fans back out at the old ballpark. I've never been more excited to pay $8.50 for a light beer. So that's exciting news for baseball fans, those who remain. (laughs) Sorry, Ken Schultz. Uh, And Don Ennis, our managing editor, is a huge baseball person as well. A big fan of her Mets. But there are a couple of more LGBTQ, if you will, sports stories I want to delve into this week. The first one, uh, I wrote a column about it on Friday. I am amazed that this has not become... A bigger national story, uh, Kevin Durant was firing off a flurry of just disgusting anti-gay insults over Twitter direct message towards uh, the annoying actor and comedian Michael Rappaport. And maybe that's why this story hasn't really picked up, picked up rather, because it is uh, very online. You have to read a lot about this annoying Twitter drama between at least one annoying individual, Michael Rappaport, and Kevin Durant, who has burner accounts and always gets into Twitter spats. I mean, he's clearly one of the greatest basketball players of his generation, but also uh, a little too online, as far as I'm concerned. So it's kind of confusing, and they're both... They're they're seemingly friends. They I, I don't know, but whatever... They were engaged in this insult twest, insult fest rather, on Twitter for months. It 
Rappaport ripped Durant after a TV interview, and that led to this, uh, seems like, months-long exchange that I can't even imagine being a part of. But it's important to not sidestep this, because Durant used some pretty vile language here in his interactions with Rappaport. It was misogynistic, it was threatening, and it was homophobic. And look, I understand Durant was joking. I understand these were private exchanges. I understand Rappaport, like a weasel, leaked them. And we've had some some people have told me who follow this more closely that this is the kind of thing Michael Rappaport does. And he released these messages because he wanted to bait his followers into ripping Durant. I mean, I don't know. Again, these people, I think, just have too much time on their hands. But I do know this, that Kevin Durant has publicly flown the rainbow flag for a long time. When Jason Collins came out, he expressed his congratulations. He expressed his support for the NBA, marching in New York City's Pride Parade a couple of years back. So Durant is a vocal LGBTQ ally in public. Well, how does he joke with his friends in private? What does he say when he wants to put somebody down? He tells them they suck cock. (laughs) Or he calls them a pasty, cum-guzzling bitch. So, do you see that disconnect between Kevin Durant, the public persona, and Kevin Durant, the private person? Durant tweeted an apology that shows he's not taking this all that seriously. Me and Mike talk crazier than this on the regular. And today he's pissed, Durant tweeted out. My bad, Mike. Damn. On Thursday before the Nets game, he offered another apology, this one a little more serious, but still not expressing any remorse for the words he used and the insults he doled out. I'm sorry that people have seen the language I use, Durant told reporters. That's not what I want people to see or hear from me. How about that's not what you want to be doing? (laughs) I mean, that's... uh... (laughs) He's apologizing for getting caught. He's not apologizing for saying these things. Steve Nash said the Nets are looking into the matter. The NBA is also looking into it. But honestly, I'm not interested in more corporate-approved press statements about Durant uh, telling Rappaport that he is a cum guzzler. (laughs) I mean, really, I'm not. What I'm interested in is Kevin Durant, if he actually is a true ally like he says he is, and if he supports gay people like he says he does, I'm interested in him working to eradicate these heinous insults from his vocabulary and locker rooms. I mean, this shows us that you can be a political supporter of LGBTQ people and throw around homophobic slurs with impunity. There's that disconnect between the public behavior and the private behavior. Lotting openly gay basketball players on your public Twitter page while privately deriding someone for doing a gay sex act. It just goes to show that casual homophobia is still widely viewed as acceptable guy talk even between a liberal pro basketball player and liberal actor. And that's the problem. Gay athletes stay in the closet because they hear phrases like cocksuckers and cum guzzlers. 
I understand it's just private DMs. Durant didn't go in front of a, a megaphone and shout these for the world to hear, but now the world has seen them. Durant is contributing to the regressive climate he claims to be fighting against. And unless he saves his homophobia for Twitter DMs, I think it's fair to surmise these disgusting words are part of his uh, vocabulary. Even though, again, he bills himself as an ally. It just, it just, it, it angers me. It does. Because you can't pick and choose when you are a friend to the LGBTQ community. You can't say we should have inclusion in pro basketball. Yay, Jason Collins for coming out. Gay people should feel comfortable being open on teams and then throw around nasty homophobic slurs, anti-gay slurs when you're trying to put somebody down, jokingly or not. You can't have that happen. And this episode with Kevin Durant, I think, just shows how far away we are from eliminating casual homophobia from the vocabularies of a lot of these guys, even those who publicly, as I said, wave the rainbow flag. So that's my takeaway with Durant. I think his apology was terrible. Again, literally just apologizing for getting caught, not saying the words. And this matters because it happens on Twitter, DM over Michael Rappaport, fine. But what if it happens in the locker room? And a closeted athlete overhears it. Or what if it happens on the field? You know, if I'm a young kid, I'm a high schooler, my favorite player is Kevin Durant, I see him slinging these words at Michael Rappaport. So fine, if someone fouls me, I'm going to call him a cocksucker too. And then what do you think that does to the closeted kid on his team? Don't you see the domino effect here? That's the problem at play. I mean, quite frankly, look, the NBA, I think some sort of punishment would be appropriate, obviously. But this is more than that. Durant is one of the faces of the league. Most of all, I want him to address the prevalence and harm of casual homophobia, which these days is sometimes more insidious than outright homophobia because it's more common. Thankfully, some of us have been able to go through life without outwardly facing homophobia. I would categorize myself as one of those people, thankfully. But I've heard the anti-gay slurs at lunch. I've heard the anti-gay slurs on the field. And those anti-gay slurs kept me in the closet until I was almost 21 years old. And I'm one of the lucky ones. For a lot of people, it's a lot worse. And for a supposed ally to not only use that language, but not seem to understand the harm that it does, just totally misses the mark. We'll be right back. So welcome back to the podcast. I also wanted to talk about how business pressure can lead to change. Now, one of the bigger news stories this week was Georgia businesses belatedly making statements denouncing the state's draconian new voting restrictions. I love, see, is Brian Kemp still this great steward of democracy for not throwing the election for Trump. I would like to revisit those takes along with our Cuomo sexual takes. Thank you very much. Um, You know, cutting Dropbox locations in black neighborhoods, restrictions on mail-in voting, no snacks to people lined outside, which just, just ugly. Um, Major League Baseball has already threatened to move the All-Star game from Georgia. We had businesses, Delta, others belatedly 
make statements against this after pressure from black business executives, which is just cowardly. And obviously they're pandering, but at least they said something. It's better than nothing. And now we'll see what they do. I mean, we have seen these kind of tactics work before in Georgia. The NFL a few years ago threatened to pull future Super Bowls from Atlanta if their then governor, Nathan Deal, Republican, signed an anti-LGBTQ bill, which he vetoed. We saw Mike Pence reverse some elements of Indiana's anti-LGBTQ law due to business pressure as well. So I say all that to say this. We know that business pressure can work. And that's what we need to see in this fight to save trans rights and transgender people's rights to play sports. This week, we saw more than 465 superstars and everyday feminists, including our own Don Ennis, sign a letter in support of trans and non-binary athletes. We saw Christy Nome, the ultra-conservative governor of South Dakota, out of fear the NCAA would retaliate against her state, veto her her legislature's anti-trans bill, only to issue an executive order on the matter of trans people playing in sports. So that is still be to, to be decided. But Governor Nome right there showed in her veto the threat of retaliation from the NCAA. It can mean a lot. And that's why the NCAA needs to be louder. A couple weeks ago, we had more than 455 college athletes urging the NCAA to pull events, championship events from states with anti-trans laws on the books. The NCAA needs to make that happen. That is, money talks, as they say. Hit them where it hurts, the wallet. (laughs) These cliches are cliches for a reason. People respond to business pressure. If you're a governor of a state like South Dakota, let's say, where there's what? Maybe a handful of transgender kids trying to play sports? This is not a problem in the least anywhere. And if you're going to enact hateful, pointless legislation like this, we will punish your business financially. We will hurt you in the wallet. And yeah, oh yeah, then suddenly a transgender girl wanting to play on the soccer team doesn't seem like, you know, or run on the track team doesn't seem like the biggest deal in the world. That's the impact that businesses can have. That's the impact that the NCAA could have with operations in all 50 states, events being held in all 50 states. And it's it's nice to release these banal statements. You support trans rights, trans day of visibility was this week. And every company, every organization, again, released some sort of statement. But how about you actually release something meaningful. And for the NCAA, that would be finally doing what they've been demanded to do. And that is pull championship events from states with these anti-trans laws on their books. So time for the NCAA to fully apply the pressure. And it's time for me to sign off episode number 60 of the Sports Kiki podcast. Thank you for listening. We will be back with a guest next week. No more cancellations, doing my best, trying. So if you have any guest ideas, you can send me a line on Twitter. My DMs are open against my better judgment at AlexWeamer1. 
is my name. That again is at AlexReamer1 on Twitter. So long, and we'll talk to you next next week. 